I don't know where all my time went I don't know how to define it So tell me how do I fight it When it feels so wrong It's on the tip of my tongue It's every line in this song The little things have been with me all along Hi everyone and welcome to our 100th episode of The Usual Bet. It's been a hundred episodes! That is 75 hours, 44 minutes, and 26 seconds of runtime. That's only 75 hours? That's three entire days, Chloe. We I... wasted three entire days recording this show. <laughs> I don't even want to think about how many days I've edited for then. <laughs> oh my days. Uh... So it would only take somebody three days straight to go through my whole catalog? Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be able to sleep. That explains how people come into the into the Discord and are like, Alright, I've watched your entire show. It's been a week. And I'm like, you what? Alright, first and foremost, I want to thank all of our listeners. Because uh, we sincerely... I, I never thought we would get this far in this silly show. And it's it's meant so much to us that um, we have so much engagement with the community. And how the whole friends that we've made from the show. Yeah, seriously. Thank you all so much. I, I honestly... Uh, like uh two years ago maybe when sophie was like let's start a band i was like no and she said okay let's start a podcast and i was like no i didn't think i would be here 100 episodes later it's i i i can barely understand it and it's all thanks to you guys absolutely give yourselves a round of applause (laughs) (laughs) okay i want to hit on some statistics 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 <laughs> that uh, our statistician Robin sent us uh, about our show over the past 99 episodes. Notably, uh, of the bets, I have won 49 of them and Chloe's won 41 of them. What? I'm pretty sure that means I am ultimately the winner of the usual bet. I don't think so. Yeah. Not until, no, you can't be the winner until we get to episode 420 at least. Fair. <laughs> Our show's runtime has also escalated from, like, uh, an average of, like, 30 minutes an episode to upwards of, like, an hour Oh, I'm wildly aware. Uh, <laughs> Editing the show used to be like, oh, I'll just sit down and do it. It'll be really quick. And now it's like, all right, I gotta get, like, a coffee mug up. I gotta get at my, my workstation here and go to work because it's it's gotten so big. But I will stand by the fact that we're still a half-hour show. <laughs> oh, how many different kinds of guys... Is that a scatter plot graph? What's what's happening on the screen? Robin's very uh, thorough. <laughs> uh, a final statistic that I really want to share is Kimmy has been in fifty-two of our ninety-nine episodes, so just over half. But she has only once picked up forty percent of them, and I think that's too low. We so need to get those. Those are rookie numbers. We'll we got to get those numbers that up for sure. I love to speak around the show today, to be honest. But I um I think we're gonna we're taking taking a different route for our two-year anniversary. I I agree. I, I I think we have some good plans ready, and and I'm excited to to crack that egg open. So now that we've gone through our thank yous and our uh, statistics on the show, I want to just jump right in. All right. Welcome to the usual bet. We are an 18 and up age play discussion podcast. Um. This is going to be an unconventional episode in that we will not have a bet. We usually have a bet every episode but not this time 
and that is because this, our 100th episode, is our vanilla-friendly episode. We've been thinking of things that we can do to really help the community, and we've had um, so many episodes that have been informative and helpful for people. Uh, obviously, we're silly, and um, I'm sure the chaos will still somehow find its way into this episode. But uh, notably, what we really, really, really wanted to do is make a show, one episode, where if you have a spouse or a partner or even like a friend or a friend yeah that you want to introduce to to age play this show is it has an episode for that we we really want to make an episode to explain everything about age play that we know we want to share our own personal experiences and we want we want to help the community grow uh laterally by, by indoctrinating new people. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we, we won't be able to hit every single thing because it's such a huge topic, but we are going to do our, our best and, and take a big swing at, at what is age play. So, um, if you are new to our show, this might be your first episode. Let's introduce yourselves. I am Sophie Elizabeth. I am a licensed therapist, and I am a little... And um, I, I will be talking a lot about my experience with psychology and a lot of stuff like that throughout this episode to ensure that, like, this isn't just all babbling. I mean, it is a little bit, but <laughs> I, I do want to ground a lot of this in scientific factors as, as factual as psychology gets. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I am Chloe Elizabeth, and I'll be playing the part of Sophie Soundboard, realistically. I, I have a lot of personal insights on all this um, and uh, a pretty strong understanding of, of what is age play. Um, but but she, she is the expert and she's going to handle the more technical stuff. This episode is designed to inform you, to educate you on all things age play and maybe some demystification of some... some tropes and and stereotypes that you might think that's what age play is and it's, it might not be so um that's our goal we're going to walk through some of the lingo as we as we go and give you like the uh the words to the acronyms and abbreviations that exist and try to define some things ourselves yep so i want to start simple or rather i think it's a better place to start with what isn't age play what what is not yeah. age play I'm gonna. We're gonna rip that bandaid right off. Uh, age play is not and has nothing to do with pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge stigma around this concept that because we like dressing like kids and like diapers are a thing. We'll get to that. Um, that maybe that's related to being mm-hmm. sexually involved with minors. It is not. It is as it far is... from it as possible. Uh, the community as a whole and and everyone i know who participates in age play has a very strict no minors policy minors do not belong in these spaces it has nothing to do with with anyone who is not a consenting adult yes that's part of the definition of what age play is you have to be a consenting adult it is not about kids the mo- the themes that you tend to see in age play are escapism mm-hmm. and or power like, th- this has nothing to do with actual children in any way. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, if we have not made this clear, if, if us repeating ourselves over and over did not get it into your head, 
age play has nothing to do with pedophilia. It has nothing. nothing. We, we actually, as a community, do our absolute best to distance ourselves from it so much because of the stigma. We, we draw these hard, hard lines, these hard, hard walls. And if we ever see a minor in our, our space, we immediately like evict them. There's, there's, it is not allowed. At mm-hmm. the beginning of every episode, we say 18 and up. Age play is consenting adults playing. And we'll elaborate more on that, but it is not anything other than that. Right. So I want to touch on some other stereotypes that people usually associate with age play. That's fair. Um, another big one that comes up is that it is a mental illness. Yeah. People often see it and go, oh, something's wrong with that person. They're weird. They, they like weird things. Something's not right in their head. When in reality, it's based in kink. But here I am, a licensed therapist. <laughs> I am telling you, it is not a mental illness. I struggled so much growing up as a teen with this interest, with being into baby stuff. Oh, yeah. And, like, wanting to dress cute. And it was it was a horrible, horrible thing. Sharing it with people was devastating. Um, every, every part of it, I just, I wanted it to go away. I oh. wanted so desperately for it to go away. I absolutely thought I, I was crazy. I had a mental illness. Something was crazy wrong with me. But ultimately what that boiled down to was a lack of resources and understanding and not being properly taught as a teen, uh, what this actually really common, uh, thing was, what kinks are. But again, that's a problem with the public school system. So the defining characteristic here that really quantifies what is mental illness is whether or not it impacts your daily life. Mm-hmm. That is that is one of the qualifiers. As a teenager, I this was probably something related to a mental illness for me because it impacted my life so desperately, but it wasn't that this was the problem, it was my handling of it. It was it was the way that I was going about it. The way that I allowed social norms to dictate what I was allowed to like and who I was allowed to be. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. And that led to a lot of depression and anxiety and and I that was it was a, a contributing factor to an existing mental illness I had. But littleness is not a mental illness and you can't just make it go away with like therapy. I know I've tried. <laughs> you, <laughs> I, you can't. It, it's 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 a part of of your identity that you might not understand, but it's it's also not something that you can control. And as long as it's not hurting you or hurting someone else, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Another stereotype I want to challenge is uh, I think one that bothers me maybe the most is age play is not all men. <laughs> I. One of my most dreaded things when I share with a partner or anybody that I'm an age player is I say, don't just Google it. Don't just Google images it. Don't just click that search button because you're going to get something that's not representative of who I am. There's reasons, and I'll, we'll get into it later, <laughs> but please understand the community has many, many women, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. It has many people uh, that are non-binary. It has many different races. It has many different ages from like 80-year-olds who we've met at conventions to 18-year-olds who are just starting to get into this. There's, there's a, a vast array of diversity in our community. There's a lot of reasons why this stereotype exists, a lot of it coming down to media and um, the portrayal of this stuff once like reality TV started getting more popular. That's, I would pretty much exclusively point it to that, but that's fine. But <laughs> honestly, it's there's also a lot of power dynamics with, with men that 
there's more reason for them to be into this, and we'll, we'll get to all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, total misconception. Another stereotype is that when you have a little, or you are doing age play, or you have an adult baby, that this is a constant thing. That, oh, yeah. That maybe you are in charge of them, or you're, you, you're responsible for them. And this is not true. This really comes back to consent. Mm-hmm. You are both adults. You are adults. Even if you're living a lifestyle where you are someone's, like, full-time mommy or you're which, someone's dom or something like that. Which is a, a pretty uh, atypical situation. Very atypical. But even if you are in one of those atypical situations, that doesn't mean that your partner is free of responsibility for that, their part in that relationship or caring for you. Exactly. Like, I I am in a relationship, and I am I am a little, I, I enjoy age play, and my girlfriend, my partner, who uh, is also my caregiver, I take her, care of her all the time, too. She goes through stressful situations, and sometimes she needs someone to, like, make food for her when she's sick, or be the dominant one which i am as well like it's it's not a all or nothing full-time kind of thing you are still at the end of the day adults and responsible and partners first and foremost and as a full-time little if that is your relationship with someone it is still your little's responsibility to ensure that your needs are met if if you have gotten in this together you've talked about you've communicated you've come to this agreement together that you did want that kind of relationship which is once again very unusual um then your needs as a partner or a friend or whatever you are still need to be met by this person all right another another stereotype that i want to tackle before we 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 move on is little stuff is not overt uh you would be led to believe otherwise from like you said uh talk shows and stuff like like maury or or jerry springer or things like that um that it is a very public thing that other people will see and be embarrassed about or or something but it's it's not that uh it responsible people who are participating in age play participate in a very private personal um usually one-on-one situation it's it's honestly a very vulnerable thing it's not it's not something that you go out and share with people it's 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 more intimate than that even if you do engage in age play in a public setting it's very subtle like you might wear some more babyish clothes out or you might admonish or tease uh your partner while you're out and that's okay but you don't involve other people in it you don't make a big scene about it and any media that is leading you to believe that is it's it's just artificial it's it's made up Okay, the final stereotype that I really want to say talk about is uh, diapers. Absolutely. The assumption with age play is that diapers are always involved, and I think that's because it's the weirdest part about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things you look at it, and that's what you gravitate to. You don't gravitate toward the, oh, that boy is wearing some, like, like short alls. You're like, oh, that person's in a diaper. Like Yeah, it's... But it's- it's loud. It's, it draws attention to itself. And while it is sometimes, and honestly, being sincere here, often part of age play, that does not mean all age players are using diapers. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to make that immediate assumption. You should talk to this person. Anyway, 
That was a lot of what age play isn't. Yes, that was, that was us breaking down barriers, saying no to a lot of concepts so that we can build things back up. Yep, and the most basic, fundamental building block of what we want to put together is the definition of age play, which is simply, you role play as different ages. That's mm-hmm. the whole meaning. And here on this show, and I think probably 95% of people everywhere um, that do age play, uh, we're addressing a subsect of you act younger instead of, of older. But that, that can be a part of age play. Like That's true. Some people do act older. But we are talking specifically on the show about the, the majority, which is a range of younger, babyish, childish regression. Exactly. And I, I think the, the first step to, to really unraveling this is uh, talking about the t- different types of younger age play. Yep. So I'm going to start with the most prevalent, widely known term, the mm-hmm. one that is all over the Google page, mm-hmm. ABDL. Yes. So Sophie, what does that mean? Stands for adult baby slash diaper lover. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a pretty uh, old term. Um, I honestly, I don't. It's so old I don't use it anymore personally. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute because there's been a lot of rebranding. But um, ABDL is kind of the name of the community in general. But people usually these days don't identify as an adult baby, which you can expect as a, an adult that likes to act like a baby, mm-hmm. or a diaper lover. Um, which might not even fully belong under the age play umbrella, but these are people who just like diapers as a, um, as a kink paraphernalia. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's an object that they are into more so than all the, the baby associations that go with it. But even though this is a term that we don't really, uh, use as a descriptors of our own identities anymore. Um, it's still a very popular term in the same way that LGBT will forever be, stapled as that uh, acronym around the the progression of rights of gender and sexual minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas nowadays we have more accurate terms, that is the easiest term to go to. Every, everyone is like, okay, well, we just add these letters to it, et cetera, et cetera. But it always comes back to everyone knows what LGBT is and mm-hmm. how to represent the community with it's, that. It's ABDL is extremely similar to that in that it's a term that is mostly used to represent a community, but doesn't really hold as much power over our identities as it wants to. Yeah, it's got that brand recognition, but it's not on brand. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear into the next one. So the next pretty common term, and this is a very recent term that has exploded. Probably the past po- 10 years. Yeah, yeah. that has exploded in popularity is DDLG, which is Daddy Dom little girl it is it is um more bdsm focused which is like power play um it honestly the power play uh is the majority of it and it is less age play than abdl when people talk about like a daddy kink this is kind of what they're getting at yeah it tends to be like a little bit more um sexual it tends to be more about that kind of like subservient like little girl energy with this like strong like daddy energy Mm -hmm. and um it's it's a it's a different vibe whereas abdl was always more about like diapers or about um 
uh, regression, regression or, or real babyish energy. This is is taking it, um, for lack of a better term, like it's aged up a little. Mm-hmm. I would also like to add, uh, this is specifically not what me and Sophie are are into. Um, so it's it's not something that that we are extremely well informed on, and and we might have even gotten a couple things wrong. Yeah, in please take it. that with a grain of salt. We're we're doing our best to explain it from the perspective that we have, but admittedly, we are not DDLG. Um, another problem that comes with that term is that like Chloe and I are both into girls, so like we have girlfriends who we will call mommy, but like it's it's daddy dom little girl. So like. It's a very separate othering kind of thing. And that's not to say that the DDLG stuff is uh, being exclusive. It, it is fully supportive of like mommy doms and little boys. And there's a, there's a ton of different combinations, but DDLG is the, the term that kind of like started it. And the same way as AVDL, it is, yeah. it has become prevalent. When, when you type it in on the Google search, that's the term that's going to come up. But that might be the kind of relationship that uh, you might be more interested in or more participatory in. Um, and that can or cannot include diapers. Diapers are its own thing. We're going to talk about that, too. <laughs> um, we got a lot of, uh, There's a a lot lot of threads, unpack. footnotes that we'll get back to. <laughs> but I want to talk about the, the thing that is probably most common nowadays, the terms that we use most currently we identify as and from ddlg kind of spawned the term cgl which is um caregiver little instead of saying like it's a daddy dom little girl it's caregiver little and um this is very inclusive it it incorporates pretty much a lot of regressive elements it it incorporates stuff that isn't just baby um because adult baby doesn't really fit with a lot of people Mm -hmm. like me for example i I am, I don't really think of myself as a baby. I, I'm probably like a, a younger girl, like maybe five years old when mm-hmm. I'm being in, in my like little space, which we'll get to as well. Um, but CGL has kind of spawned its own set of terms and those terms have now taken the community by storm. And that is what a lot of age players use, which are little and big. Um, and then there's like a middle category, which mm-hmm. is like the 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 where maybe a little might be like uh one to five years old a middle is more like that seven to twelve range like it's it's like uh more grown-up-y kind of little um and a lot of people identify that way as well absolutely okay i i think we've really broken down the terms a lot and i i want to move on but there is one more thing i want to say sure about all of them Mm -hmm. so you might think because all three of these different terms, as encompassing as they are, are kinks, that they have to be sexual. Uh, but I, I want to say that's not necessarily true. Uh, they can be sexual, but they al- also might, on an individual basis, not be sexual at all. Uh, or they could have a mix of, oh, I like to be sexual with this sometimes, mm-hmm. and I like to be like, like I just like to experience this other times. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons as to why that is, which is, coincidentally, what we're about to talk about. You might be asking, why do people like age play? It's it's a fair question to ask. It's why why do you want to act younger? Why do you want to act like a baby? Why do you want to act like a, a little kid? What what's 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 the reason there? And we have two answers for you that we've touched on before, which are escapism and power. So, what do we mean by escapism? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in uh, uh, very approachable terms. Uh, the world can be really really rough, and and sometimes you just need a break. And and essentially that's escapism. It, it is taking a break from uh, your struggles and your worries, uh, and and finding solace in something else. Playing video games all day could be escapism. The escapism specifically tailored to the age play community is called little space absolutely um this is kind of the head space that you get into where you feel littler like you feel a little bit regressive and um you're like well what what do you mean like is that that's weird like you might that's that that's that can't be healthy (laughs) we do this every day Mm -hmm. everyone does this every day you get in different head spaces If you go to work, you get in a different headspace to be productive. Like, if you are, if you sit down at your computer and you work from home, you have a totally different energy than when you're sitting on the couch. You are in a different headspace. When you're driving a car, you have a different headspace than when you're watching TV. Mm -hmm. I think, and this might not apply to everybody, but uh, one of the most clear headspaces I have is um, my customer service voice when I'm on the phone. Oh, yeah. I completely switch gears, go into a, a retail headspace, even when I'm like like it's on the phone like like with a friend or something, and I I, I am a totally different person on the phone than who I am in, in my daily life. And that's that's what we're talking about. That that subtle change in your personality and self to fit the situation. Like the difference between how I am with my family and how I am with my friends is so radical. Mm-hmm. And these are just different different sides of myself. And in a way, little space is also this different side of you. Mm-hmm. And the same way that you have to kind of work to get in the flow at work. You don't just sit down and suddenly get into it. But maybe you do. But that's probably years of practice of doing that same thing over and over. Little space is very similar in that you have to work to get into this space. Absolutely. And the concept of little space needing to be a certain thing, or you have to be feeling a certain way, isn't true. It's it's very gatekeepy, mm-hmm. where it's like, you you have this idea of oh that this other person, I for instance, oh Chloe, you when you get in little space, you can just sit there and play with like a rattle for like ten minutes. That's so that's, baby. That's and, not true. <laughs> and I I wish I could be that baby. My I don't get into little space. Like yeah, but but. My definition of little space, my experience with it, is I, I get very analytical. I like to I like to build. I like to um, I, I talk really fast. Like I these these things just kind of happen normally and mm-hmm. they happen naturally. But it's extremely different to how Chloe says, and neither of us are right or wrong. It's just it, it's how it's how you do it. So maybe you know a little that when they're in little space, they just get quiet and color. That's mm-hmm. normal. That's fine. Maybe you have one that just babbles constantly <laughs> and just like, just doesn't even form proper words sometimes. That's also normal. Like, there's no right or wrong way to do this. This is this is your own experience. And um, comparing anyone else's little space to to your friend or your partner, it's not gonna help you. Nope. Everyone's different. You might be asking, what does little space offer? what's the point why why this it could be anything like any headspace why little space so chloe why why little space uh it is very uniquely relaxing um 
I personally struggle with uh, all of my various responsibilities. I often let them pile up because I'm terrible at managing my time. And even when I'm doing things to relax, I can't stop thinking about them. When I'm like playing a video game or something or just trying to chill, I'm stuck being like, oh, well, there's all this other stuff I have to do. I'm responsible for. Whereas when I'm in little space, just for a little while, I, I get... I can give myself permission to let go of those responsibilities hmm. to to be like, you know what? I'm quote unquote too little to deal with these things and I can just step away from from my my adult struggles if only for a little bit. One of the reasons a uh, little space is very important to me is vulnerability. Mm, it yeah. gives me a space like like little kids where you don't have to be so guarded at the, about the world and everyone mm-hmm. in it. You you can trust more easily. You can feel you can feel that freedom to to accept other people and allow them into into you and your your personal like self sense of self. Um, it's it's so important and honestly it can be the only time some people are able to be vulnerable and i think this is why um one of the reasons why you see a lot more men in abdl stuff instead of women Mm -hmm. men especially older men have the societal imperative that they have to be strong that Mm -hmm. they have to be the breadwinner that they have to be in control of everything and if they ever try to be vulnerable that's seen as like a bad thing or or, or girly or and it's pushed back on it's they're made fun of for it and eventually you get to a point where that gets so ingrained in your personality you literally can't be vulnerable but the idea of being able to express yourself in this childish way allows you to be vulnerable it's it may be the only way of being vulnerable like you said Mm -hmm. and honestly people need to be vulnerable sometimes people need to be able to connect with someone without being guarded it's it's we're social creatures we we need to connect with each other and for some people little space can be the only way they can connect with people in a truly vulnerable open way okay what else um, makes little space special for you honestly it it lets me be cute it lets me be soft and adorable and i I tend to present myself in a very kind of like punchy girl, like like cool exterior. Yeah, you uh, definitely uh, have that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like you're you're the the tank top. Like, yeah, uh, like yeah, this doesn't bother me. I'm so I'm so cool. Cool and aloof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, um, it lets me uh, pre- enjoy a different side of life, being cute and adorable and sweet and soft things that i do enjoy but really don't enjoy all the time um and it it gives me opportunity to experience something that i I normally wouldn't something that isn't part of your core identity but something you always wanted to play in that space of exactly what about you um the last one i've got is little space just it makes things fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's true. So often you get in your own way. You you don't allow yourself to have fun, and in little space you feel like you have that permission. Like there's nothing stopping you. I have an example. I love haunted houses. I I know this. As an adult, as a as a thirty year old woman who who is. A professional therapist and I, I I just 
they they're so silly like they're not yep. haunted houses aren't scary it's just like this house that turns into some walls mazes people jump out at you whatever mm-hmm. it doesn't matter it's it's all it's all a big act yes and exactly it's a big act and i'm aware of it and i know it it's it like there, there's no there, what's fun about that but when i'm little i give myself permission to just be there i don't mm-hmm. i don't think so much about it i don't i don't break down this this experience into its parts and i just look at it and go wow that thing scared me and instead of trying to be all cool or whatever about it i get scared and i allow myself to get scared and it's so much fun to do these things like like you said be able to to be cute but like it's so much fun to allow yourself to experience these things that your adult self just doesn't let you do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know what? I, I I think that even goes back to the being vulnerable thing. I I and I'm gonna keep on the haunted house thing. I, I see people go through haunted houses as adults and go out of their way to not be scared or prove they're oh, not scared yeah. or laugh at the actors or or go through all stone faced. And it's like. You're not letting yourself have fun. You're not being vulnerable. My girlfriend, literally, she, she can't help it. She goes in and she laughs uh, at haunted houses. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. And she's like, I just, I can't help it. I just laugh. Because that's like how I'm defend. Like, that's my defense mechanism. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah. In, in Little Space, I don't have to have that defense mechanism. You don't. I can skip that. I, I'm cheat coding my way <laughs> through the haunted house. Exactly. And you're allowed to enjoy something that otherwise, for the most part, would be lost to you forever. And I can't think of anything more tragic than that. So, um, that's kind of what Little Space offers to us, but, but why do we need it? Um, need is a strong word, but I think that a lot of Littles out there will tell you that it's, it's important to them in some way or another, their Little Space, being able to be little. The idea of repressing it and just saying, oh, well, I'm just not going to do that, I'm not going to be that, is... disaster. It's really hard <laughs> on, on you emotionally, because you it does serve a purpose it, it serves a purpose and i want to talk about those purposes i think that the most practical and obvious form is stress relief absolutely minimizing anxiety <laughs> it's akin to taking like a little vacation mm-hmm. that was a pun little vacation <laughs> um yeah it's it's like it's like i said earlier stepping away from all your stressors and just relaxing just like absolute, actually truly relaxing for once, which I'm sure some people listening to this are like, that's not possible. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Another part of it is reinventing your childhood. So this could be like reliving your childhood where like you had a pretty good childhood and you want to, you want to get back to that because of the simplicity and lack of responsibility. Um, or it could be like uh, recovering from from your childhood like wish fulfillment on like my childhood could have been better i could have felt more like this instead of the way that i actually felt it could be like you trying to restore that part of your life um this often comes from traumatic childhoods or childhoods where you had a lot of responsibility or oh my gosh i think there's a pattern of (laughs) older siblings like the oldest sibling being little because like like, you had so much responsibility growing up taking care of your younger <laughs> siblings, but, like, I know so many older siblings who are little. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it can also come from, like, if you are, like, transgender, like, and you didn't get to experience childhood as your proper oh. gender, um, it can be, like, tied up and built in that. That's of, a really good uh, point. Yep. I think that's probably why a lot of um, 
there's a lot of overlap between like age play and, and trans people. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, it's it's a time of love in your life. Hopefully, uh, if it if it wasn't, it should have been. Like mm-hmm. children are prone to unconditional love That's, because they're children. <laughs> you're supposed to get unconditional love. Whereas as an adult, you almost feel like you have to work for it. Like every every ounce of love you get feels like it might have some sort of condition to it. And that can be really stressful. It's, and it's it, hard. Absolutely. And uh, being little means you can, for a little while, just forget about that. Forget about the strings that could be attached to your relationships and all that. And just be loved. And honestly, that's kind of incredible. So that is kind of the escapism element mm-hmm. of age play. The other side of this is power. Age play is kink. Mm-hmm. That's not to say minors don't have, like, fetishes, because we, we sure did. As, as teenagers, oh, we definitely had fetishes, and we definitely were into age play. But that being said, because age play has this this disparity of power, this power exchange where, where one person becomes the vulnerable one and the other person gains control of all that power, it is not a place for minors. Absolutely. It it's, is. It's, it's a big no-no zone. <laughs> it needs to be consented to. Minors don't have the, the ability to consent, and that, that, that vulnerability and power shift, is it's too much. And it's very, very important. Uh, actually, it's it's so important. I want to bring our our co-host Kimmy onto the show, who is kind of our resident expert on a lot of the more um, darker, darker, <laughs> uh, like more extreme, maybe BDSM side of of what age play can be. So, Kimmy, Kimmy, I'm not, I'm not into the darker side. I'm oh into the more gosh. perverted side. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That was what I meant. I'm by a pervert. Darker. Hi, I'm Kimmy. I'm a pervert. Nice we know Kimmy. You. Okay. Thanks for introducing yourself. Yeah, no problem. Um, so That's the 100th episode. I was supposed to be working the microwave right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! What a throwback. Um, can you explain why age play is a power dynamic and like what it has to do with kink? What, what does it have to do with like what's its relationship with with BDSM or anything like that? Okay. So for many, because you can't say anything is. This is the way it is. But for many people, age play is BDSM. Yeah. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by it's so it's it's the same as BDSM? Are you familiar with ABDL? Uh, yes, I am. Our listener may not be, but I, I am. I'm setting you up. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. No, you are. Oh, I am. No, this the, this requires you to already be aware the, of the, the ABDL. Why, oh, then why did you tell me? Okay, no, yes, I'm familiar Don't interrupt me, it. Chloe, that's rude. <laughs> Yes, you're familiar with it. Now, explain to me the concept of dominance and submission from a not ABDL perspective. Okay, um, so like BDSM stuff, usually you have one person that's the dom, one person that's the sub. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sub gives the power to the dom. Mm-hmm. That's like their freedom of choice mm-hmm. and autonomy mm-hmm. and things like that so the dom is sort of in charge i guess of the sub right the dom is in charge of the sub because it is consensual like you said it is the voluntary granting of that power right now the mommy is the mommy because the baby 
has voluntarily given up that power right. in age play. Yes, it okay. It is literally the same thing. Okay, so it's just BDSM with, like, a cutesy twist. That's it. So It's, it's BDSM with a texture overhaul. <laughs> Chloe, in BDSM, you have the collar, the harness. Uh-huh. You have the gag. Uh-huh. In Little Land. Little Land. Where Woo. you live. Yeah. And I visit. No, I live there, too. <laughs> uh, the pacifier is your gag. It's, oh, okay. You're binkied. Now you can't talk. You have to ask permission to speak. Or yeah. maybe you're not allowed to at all while your passy's in. That's mm-hmm. never happened to you, has it, Sophie? Oh, no, certainly no. not. Wow, Please. your cheeks are red. <laughs> and the harness, baby reins, have a lovely pair. Okay. And then in this kind of analogy, you have, um, like, a cage would be like a crib. The <laughs> crib is a cage. <laughs> it doesn't it have a top on. It's totally different. It's, you know, you're absolutely right. When you're stuck in bed with the rails up and you have to cry for somebody to come and let you out. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not a cage. So what do you get out of this? When taking on the submissive role and you act baby, like, I understand uh, the, the, the connection between being little and being submissive. Why be submissive? What's the joy of submission? So the joy of submission is the freedom to enjoy the activity. Oh, okay. So we were talking about this earlier. Like like um, allowing yourself to have fun at the haunted house or to enjoy cute clothes. Yep. Getting out of your own way when you're sitting there playing with blocks. But this is giving that power to someone else? I mean, it is in little space, too. When you go into the haunted house, who's holding your hand? Okay. So you you can be submissive alone. Sure. But you can have your dom or or your caregiver in little parlance that kind of takes that control from you. You can give yourself permission, but you can also allow someone else to give you that permission. And it's it's honestly easier to, to have someone else make you be vulnerable and and that sounds like very harsh language but having someone else be the one taking away your 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 blockers uh is is very like oh i don't i'm not doing this i'm not doing anything wrong because someone else is is quote unquote making me do it well the uh unspoken word is that you're both consenting adults at the end of the day but they are making you do it they are making you be vulnerable and and making you relax and be silly okay so as a little and as a sub you're you're given the freedom to act differently Mm -hmm. submission is a gift that you give to your dominant and it is a gift that you receive as you give it Mm -hmm. okay you give your submission and you receive ironically freedom (laughs) from yourself (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not even a joke absolutely from yourself so When I was a teenager and I would have people over, I had to be very quiet while having sex. Okay. Because I was not alone. And so I, to this day, have a lot of trouble being loud during sex. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's just kind of how I was conditioned when I was having my formative sexual experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. Until you introduce the gag, then the freedom to make noise is both taken from you and given to you. Okay. I scream like a goddamn banshee into a gag. 
So, like, with a pacifier for a little, it's the same thing, but you're given the freedom to... To whine. To fuss. Oh, to okay. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, you're right. Because yeah, especially as, somebody... as an adult, you never, like, it's, it's, it's taboo to do something like that. It you is. don't want to do that. It's childish. It's silly. But the second you have a pacifier in your mouth, suddenly you have the freedom to do that. Okay, that's, exactly. that's really cool. Okay. And on that note, have you ever actually thrown a tantrum? Yeah, I have. <laughs> it's the most cathartic thing in the entire world. Yeah, it's one of those things that you're always taught as, a, as an adult to not ever do Sweet. because it's it's not dignified or something. But mm-hmm. like, the three best words in the English language are "it's not fair." <laughs> I swear, I swear. If you can arrange this with a consenting partner. And I mean, like, really throw yourself into it. Roll around on the ground, kick your feet, stomp, scream, and just shout it's not fair. It is the most cathartic thing I have ever done in my life. Okay. Now, another kink that goes really hands-in-hand with a lot of submission elements is embarrassment or, like, humiliation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is another big point of, of power here. You're... In a consenting dom-sub relationship mm-hmm. and in a consenting CGL relationship, you give someone the power to embarrass you. And That's very true. I would never want to be embarrassed in an actual real-life sense, but like giving someone the power to do it feels like a controlled environment almost. It is a controlled environment. Because it's, it's consenting, it's talked about. So it, uh, it lets you experience those negative usually emotions in a in a completely different light and uh it 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 can be really fun it can be fun to uh feel less than it it can really reinforce that power dynamic um because if you're being embarrassed by someone you are inherently less than them you know Mm -hmm. like or at least as as far as uh the embarrassment goes they are pushing down on you and when you say embarrassment, you're talking specifically about teasing, humu- gentle humiliation. Yes. Right. Yeah. Which I guess, um, even though I'm sure BDSM can do that, I guess little stuff would be a little bit more um, it's tuned to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Gentle humiliation. It's uh, pretty prominent in DDLG and less so in more hard BDSM. But also, um, I think it can be really aggressive, and that might be some of the fun. Like, you think about, um, we jump back to men and misogyny and this concept that men have to be these big, strong creatures, and women are these weak, fragile creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you get in these power dynamics where someone is in control of you, and even more so, they make you dress or act like a baby. That's the weakest most fragile that you can get. So this goes into emasculation, mm-hmm. which is a different thing. Right, but this is this a it's it's little stuff can be a gateway to this. Is Absolutely, what I'm yeah, it, it, it's it, more reasons why the power stuff is important. Absolutely, it, it once again lets men who are stuck in this societal imperative to to be strong and and never be weak or vulnerable. It it lets them. It gives them permission. To remove themselves from that situation. In from... a safe way. Like exactly. we talked about. Alright, Kimmy, any other words on, on power and uh, yeah, age I have play? had a taste of power and it has gone to my head. Yeah, that's just true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all your help and advice, Kimmy. You're welcome. Thank you for your expertise. 
Uh, we really appreciate it, and your insight was very valuable. I don't think I swore one time. I you oh, did. No, you I did. know you, you did. You 100% did. Damn it. <laughs> <sighs> now that we talked about escapism and power, which are the kind of key components to age play, mm-hmm. um, let's answer the question, is it sexual? Yeah. <laughs> The non-sexual aspects, that playful relaxation, vulnerability, that permission to do things that might be beneath you, um, it's good for your mental health. It's good for getting your spoons back. It's good for for feeling like you um, can recharge a little bit. It's restorative. And there's there's people out there who have no interest in any sexual connection to little stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's a lie to say that that's the majority. Uh, I'd say that there's probably more people that do have a sexual component to it. And this isn't exclusive. Like, you you don't have people that are like, yeah, it's sexual for me. Or, no, it's not sexual for me. Generally, it's a mix of the two. Mm -hmm. For both of us, it's a mix for the two. Like, Chloe is a lot less sexual as a little, but a little bit still. Yeah, I, I, I... I, I won't lie and say I'm not, but uh, for the most part, I, I am non-sexual. I enjoy the restorative, relaxing stuff more than the hot and bothered stuff. And um, you usually get kind of your sexual energy from other kinks, and it doesn't... <laughs> That's true. It doesn't tie a lot into age play. I, on the other hand, age play is my primary mode of relaxation mm-hmm. and res- restoration, it makes me feel better. It's what I do on my days off, especially if I'm feeling exhausted from, like, work. Um, but at the same time, it's also a key component in a lot of, like, my my sex stuff. Like, I, I do really... I, I love the submissive elements of it. I love how how small it makes me feel and that, that vulnerability that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So let's get into what I assume a very big question is about age play in general, which is, why is it sexy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is, why, why when you look at, at diapers or, or baby clothes, why is that, how is that sexy? That, that shouldn't be sexual, right? I think uh, the, the quickest, easiest answer is, it's because it's taboo. It's because it's it's because it's something uh, society says no, and I think a lot of people find things that society says you're not allowed to do really inherently sexy. It's for it's sure breaking the norms, doing things you're not allowed to, being outside of society's rules. It's it's very freeing. Makes you a bad girl. <laughs> it's naughty. Makes you punk. Honestly, honestly, it's naughty, and naughty itself is a word that often gets tied up in sexual connotations. There's a lot of, as we discussed, BDSM, control, discipline, humiliation, play, all that on their own, baby stuff excluded, is sexy. Um, But the reason why I think maybe age play itself is still sexy, despite the many, many other ways that you can achieve control and and humiliation, Mm -hmm. is um, it's one of the best ways that you as a sub... And as a little can feel diminished, but not dehumanized. Like That's absolutely true. Pet play where, you know, you act as like a, a kitty or a puppy. That is... That 100% is, dehumanization. Yeah, but that is a very apt comparison where it's you're taking BDSM and you're putting a little flavor on it. You're, 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 you have your texture pack for, <laughs> for this, for BDSM. Mm-hmm. And pet play and, and 
an age player not that different. That's true. But with pet play, it's dehumanizing. Um, with it's, a lot of BDSM stuff, it's objectifying. It is, to put it in simple terms, more mean. Pet play is more <laughs> mean than little play. But as, as a little, it's not dehumanizing. Yes, you are small. You are weak. You are helpless. Especially but, in men who aren't allowed to be these things. This is very powerful. Mm-hmm. But you're still a person. You're still a little person baby you're like, still cared for you're nurtured you are loved unconditionally which brings me to another part of why i think age play is sexy is is the aesthetic mm-hmm. um you see it as like oh you want to emulate childhood and childhood's not sexy no we're, we want to em- emulate the the softness mm-hmm. the love the 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 ease of it yep it's it's intimate it's very intimate. This is the number one thing for me because when I, yes, I have I have fantasies and role plays and all these these impassioned, baby sexy things that I I have done in my <laughs> life, right? But what it ultimately comes back to, and a big reason why my girlfriend is into it is because the idea of me curled up next to her in bed, dressed kind of baby and looking really cutesy and kind of looking up at her like she's the like an angel or like a (laughs) goddess and just like this this just it's so intimate the the idea of being so so soft and Mm -hmm. close and it's it's that intimacy is is insane there's there's nothing i do in my life no manner of sex that that matches the intimacy of that. And intimacy in itself is sexy. That's true. The intimacy is definitely my partner's favorite thing about it. She she loves that we spend these moments together, uh, moments that otherwise might not get spent together, of total closeness. And they are unique to our relationship. They are not something you find elsewhere. These these. It's so uniquely you. But truthfully, at the end of the day, despite everything we just told you, we don't know why this is attractive. Um, we have our theories and and that, but like sometimes you just like something. You, you can't help what you like, you know? And trying to rationalize or find meaning to every single thing in your life is going to spin your head in circles. Kink isn't well understood. It's... it's social workers and psychologists and people studying like like yep. why we work yep then they 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 have no idea why we are kinky there's like you said a ton of theories um but the one thing they can all agree on is it's healthy as long as you practice it in healthy ways it's normal and healthy and uh honestly for a lot of people important so let's let's step forward into what does this look like what say Say you're, you go up to your friends after listening to this episode and you're like, you know what? I'm cool with you being little. I'm cool with you being a middle. I'm cool with you being an adult baby, <laughs> whatever. Um, if you say, how can I be involved? What does that look like? What, what are you looking at when you get involved with something like this? And the answer is, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wildly different for every single person who participates in age play already the abdl stuff versus the ddlg stuff which has its own differences um the difference between whether the person you're talking to is a little a big a middle uh and within all of those things there's preferences there's Mm -hmm. there's like maybe 
maybe they like this, maybe they don't. Every everyone's different. Even Chloe and I, who have been best friends for years, we we still have vastly different ideas on what we like in little space mm-hmm. and as as littles. Which you can recount over ninety nine episodes of the show of us <laughs> being pretty different. But despite all that, there are some common staples that you see in uh, age play in general, and we should run through those. So. I think maybe the most common, and uh, from what I've seen, a lot of people's jumping in point, uh, pacifiers. They are, for people who are just getting into this, easy to hide. Um, they are very small, and they are extremely symbolic. They they are something that is, that is so simple. It's just like a, a piece of hard plastic and silicone. Uh, but is so immature to have something no adult would ever have. I know a lot of um, a lot of littles really love pacifiers. I actually don't really care at all for them. But I, it, at the same time, even though they're really not super my thing, I love having them. I oh, have yeah. them. They are a part of my ensemble when I when I dress up as like a, a cute little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, they are something that, even though they don't have that magical, relaxing effect of a pacifier might do to a baby, it's still like it still reminds me when it's in my mouth. I look childish. I mm-hmm. look little, and that that's uh, self validation. I'm validating myself with it. Mm-hmm. So, like even even a lot of these things are like that. It might not be practical. It might not make sense. It might not even make you feel a certain way. But it's validating. Um, it validates, it validates littles to have these items. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing like, like, honestly, inherently sexual about any of these. They, they, for a lot of people might just be coping mechanisms or, or things that help them feel validated, like you said, or, or feel okay. So I don't want people to hear this list and go, oh, those are all like sex toys or something. No, they're super not. Some other ones just on the same list and the same general philosophy is like bottles or sippy cups. Oh my gosh. I love sippy cups. They're one, so wildly impractical. They sure and are. And two, they're adorable. Yeah. I always feel so cute when I have one and it's I, I, I really love them. Uh onesies are a big one. Um those are like the little snap crotch ones. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna talk about diapers. I know, like it's <laughs> it's one of those things everyone wants to hear about because it's like that's the weird thing. We'll get there. But, there's but more, like diaper there's... or no diaper, snap crotch onesies are really intimate too because like having someone snap up your your clothes is is really like satisfying and validating, and it makes you feel really small and like taken care of. That's true. Um, also, they're really cute for sure. Especially nowadays, there's a lot of different prints and stuff. Uh, short alls, skirt alls. Yep. These are great because, um... They're not maybe that a little, childish. Yeah, like, uh, guys can probably get away with overalls, maybe not short alls. And, mm-hmm. But girls could probably wear skirt alls outside, and it, it's not even a big deal. Like, it's I, a, I don't think anyone would really think about it. I, I wear them. I've worn my short alls outside before. I, 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 I probably don't, like, flaunt them or anything like that, but I'm also not too embarrassed to wear them outside. But it's a really great way for me to feel childish with mm-hmm. other people looking at me and going, oh, yeah, that's that's cute. Speaking of childish styles, or um, especially for middles, it might be, like, styles that aren't really a thing anymore, but it was when they were younger. So, like, you might have someone who's a middle who's more like 10 and likes, like, the emo scene clothes. Like, mm-hmm. maybe that's their way of, of 
age playing. Um, that's common. Absolutely. The titles, mommy and daddy, uh, <laughs> yes. come up. So, I, I have some things I want to say on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might, a lot of people might have a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to those terms. And hey, that's totally understandable. Like, uh, I, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but like, those titles don't have to be universal. We're actually going to talk about this a little bit later on because I, I would like to delve into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. This concept of, of what do you call each other and where's your comfort levels? And finally, we are, we are, we are at the end of this list <laughs> and the, the thing that you're going to see sometimes is diapers. Yes, or pull-ups, but, but for, we're going to focus on diapers. Earlier on, we talked about ABDL meaning adult baby diaper lover, and mm-hmm. we have not discussed the DL part of that at all. Um, so we are going to do that really quick. Now, DLs are not really an age play thing. They're kind of grandfathered in. Like we talked before about how ABDL is a kind of older term. Mm-hmm. Um, so... They just like diapers. And I think a good way to begin this conversation is to take out the baby elements and focus on why diapers? What, what's, they're, they're diapers. Well, why yeah. is that, why is that something that anyone would want? <laughs> so what do you think? They're embarrassing. Yeah. If we want to go back to the whole embarrassment discussion from the power play section, they are, they are something that is directly, visually, uh, audibly embarrassing. They crinkle. They are they're diminutive. They're they're something uh, that you would be embarrassed to be seen in, and that can be very impactful and fun. And it's it's a tactile, physical form of embarrassment it's, that doesn't just go away with the moment. They're like the most taboo thing an adult <laughs> can wear, unless like you have a medical condition. Like so, yeah, high quality embarrassment. Another thing is, and I know that this seems weird, but bondage or yep. chastity the idea that you can put someone in a diaper and that's that's like a collar that's that's a a, a method of bondage that mm-hmm. is uh, a marker that this person and and another another factor there is i say chastity but like anyone could take a diaper off it's not locked on mm-hmm. but if they go out and they're gonna go sleep with someone or do something <laughs> sexual and someone sees they're in a diaper, it's like, okay, that's probably not going to happen now because it's it's a bit weird. It's, mm-hmm. it's essentially, like, immediately a turnoff. So if you and your partner are into that kind of chastity play, then it can be this idea of, yeah, you're going to wear this diaper, and I'm the only person that's really going to get, like, in your pants. Mm-hmm. So that's an element there. Um, I, I, I want to double back on the bondage part. Sure. It's someone taking away your autonomy. Mm-hmm. You, someone taking away your choices. Someone taking away uh, your decisions of what you wear, um, when you go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said with chastity, uh, your ability to sleep with other people. Yep. It's it's a full on uh, assault on your autonomy, which a lot of people enjoy. And that brings me to the next point, which is it ties in very well with water sports or desperation play, yes. where maybe that's your kink, like. Diapers can really factor into that oh. stuff and enhance that experience. Going off of that, they're also really convenient. Like, yeah. if you... Are... <laughs> <laughs> we were talking with Kimmy about this before we were recording this episode, and Kimmy's like, I don't think anyone wears diapers for convenience. And I'm sitting here like, I love 
movies. I hate getting up in the middle of a movie at a, at a, at a movie theater and mm-hmm. going to the bathroom. So yes, diapers are a little thing for me, but also they, they can, can be... just be practical. Yeah. And uh, finally, some people, they're just comfy. Some yeah. people just like the comfort. They're, they're, they're soft and they're pillowy. pillowy and they can be comfortable. So those are just some, some reasons one might like diapers that isn't exclusively baby. But when we get back into age play, which is a majority of our discussion here, diapers are the ultimate baby apparel. They are the end-all be-all of immaturity. They're not even necessarily tied to little age. You could be a middle and still enjoy diapers mm-hmm. because it's the, it's the most regressive item of clothing that you can you can find. So we talked a bit before about people struggling to get into a, a little space. They're a good shove into that headspace, a good, a good launching point, no matter what little age you are. Which brings us to the inevitable question of what about using a diaper as yes. an adult? First and foremost, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. And secondly, a lot of people <laughs> It's... There's, okay, going back to the ultimate baby apparel, wetting a diaper is the ultimate baby action, or yeah. or messing a diaper, or filling a diaper, however you want to word yeah, it. They are the... Those doing those things in a diaper are the ultimate baby actions. They are, they are childish actions that an adult just would not do. They wouldn't do it. Uh, barring, obviously, incontinence and all that stuff, which is totally separate. That's not play. The key word here is escalation. Yep. When you are playing baby and you you get in the groove of things and everything starts to become normal, it's you, a it's a next step you can take. Yeah, that's you, a, that's a reason some people might try it because of that. You start to ask yourself, well, I feel kind of baby, but what else could I be doing? What else? could I do to, to, to feel even smaller or, or even more like, like in this headspace? What are other steps I could take? And then you look at those things that you said you'd never do and you go, well, I could try that. And there's nothing wrong with trying that. Mm-hmm. People, and we experiment uh, by nature as people. And while you might think that's gross or weird because, hey, I'm a little and I most of the time don't use diapers i'll wear diapers but i like i will use them but mm-hmm. generally it's part of like a scene or or something um like i, I don't really use them all that much like I, I i don't prefer it that way um but there's a lot there to like there's there's warmth there's wetness there's different feelings that that happen that you don't ever expect to do or to experience as an adult and then you have those experiences and that might be something you like it's the same reason as like some people like pain some people want to be hurt and you you might sit there thinking why that's a bad feeling pain's a bad feeling but some people like that and some people might also like the feeling of, of of using a diaper and there's nothing wrong with that it's it's just another component of what makes them enjoy what they're doing absolutely so say you do have uh, a little or a middle or someone who does like diapers or even a diaper lover, and they do like diapers. I'm sure you've 
probably, if you're this far into this podcast, have heard the term diaper sex before. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but how does that work? Mm-hmm. You have a diaper on. Um, this is a bit variable. There's no real one way to do quote-unquote diaper sex. It's more of a, a, a theoretical concept than a, a, a position. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much it's just any sex that involves diapers. So there's a few ways you can do this. Good. There's good ways and bad ways. <laughs> you could cut a hole in the diaper. This is unadvisable. <laughs> uh, a lot of people maybe don't know how diapers work, but it's not just like cotton in there. No. There's, there's, there's a lot of actually really complicated science and... and uh, chemical complexity it will make a mess (laughs) this will make a mess it'll make a mess i advise heavily against doing this (laughs) another way that you could do this is you pull down the back of the diaper Mm -hmm. or um you untape the diaper and just go about it like normal Mm -hmm. both which can be very attractive um but i think that the most common way is just while someone's in a diaper grinding or touching or like rubbing in some way Uh uh-huh Pudding uh, has described this as sexual outer course, yeah. and uh, I think it's very apt, um, and is, I will be honest, what I do 100% of the time. For me, it's probably like 90%. Like That's I, fair. I've got, I've got other interests, but yeah, like it's, the, it's, I think, the way a lot of littles kind of prefer it, and like if you don't have uh, good ways of grinding or rubbing or anything like that, there's like toys like magic wands yeah magic <laughs> wand vibrators that are, are good for things like this they're very big in the the age play community um a really big perk of diaper sex <laughs> is listen i know i know just continue it's gender dysphoria absolutely um i think a lot of people who their their gender and their biological sex don't match up. They might have a lot of dysphoria about sex, like mm-hmm. their their sexual parts, their their body. They they probably don't want to have conventional sex because it makes them feel very uncomfortable. Yep. With people like that, luckily, diapers they're kind of like a neutralizer. A neutralizer, like they're thick and really padded and, and concealing concealing you don't see anything you don't really feel a whole lot like it's schrodinger's naughty parts what's <laughs> in the diaper nobody knows <laughs> but it can be very validating for someone with gender dysphoria so mm-hmm. another huge perk for for diapers and and sex uh another thing i i want to add uh especially with the gender dysphoria stuff is um a lot of people use a strap-on over a, a diaper. I have done this before. Uh, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> oh, well, like, when I when I did, it was like, uh, I wanted to uh, do the whole sex thing, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to kind of... I wasn't really baby, but I just, I wanted to be in a diaper at the time. Like, I wanted I wanted that aspect of my kink in play, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't actively in play. Yep. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I did that. That can be a really good way for people, especially people with, like, gender dysphoria and stuff like that, to have penetrative sex uh, 
Also, just good for girls yes. who, uh, <laughs> like, you are going to use a strap on anyway, and, like, you mm-hmm. can have a diaper in the mix. Like, why not? You know? I mean, it's not like you can even, like, do stuff, like, put stuff in you in the diaper before you put it on, and there's, then, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. It's there's a, a, thing. Lot of, there's a lot of We're not going to get into it. Sophie's personal sex stories here, but... <laughs> Okay, that's about as much sex as I can talk about as yeah. a person. Yeah, that's I'm a very fair. non-sexual person. Yeah, um, I I want to I want to skip ahead a bit to to uh, the next topic, which I think is actually really important. Sure. Because people listening to this might be like, okay, well, that's a lot of information for my partner or my friend or or whoever, but but what about me? What about my wants, my needs, my desires? What about me not wanting to be thrust into this like? this responsibility role or, or what about my boundaries and my feelings? And I want to, I want to really address those, those concerns. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we talked about this earlier, but this is a, an equal partnership, like, or at least equitable, like you Mm -hmm. should be getting something out of this. Or if, if you're not getting something out of it, you should evaluate what it is you're doing because, (laughs) um, just because you are the caregiver does not mean you are responsible for your partner. Mm-hmm. You you can be the caregiver, be the the big, you be the adult in the age play relationship, but ultimately you deserve something out of this as well. Yep. Whether that's in the moment, maybe you find something about age play that you really really enjoy, in which case build on that, talk about it, find out like, oh, I, I really enjoyed this part. For example, my girlfriend really likes nursing um, because she finds it to be extremely intimate. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, like it's it's pretty much just sucking on her poop. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, she, she doesn't, like, she doesn't lack yeah. anything. But, like, and that, that's something, like, I'm sure normal relationships do anyway. But the way that it is in, in kind of baby mode, it's very intimate. It's very personable. Yep. It's so... Like she, she adores that. So we tend to incorporate it into a lot of the things we do because I know she loves it. Yeah. And granted, I love it too, but that's not the point. Um, so finding things that you love about it and participating that way. However, at the same time, if you straight up are doing all this stuff and it's not really your thing, but you love making your partner happy, make sure that you talk to your partner about being like, maybe we could do this thing that I really like. Yep. And, and if you can somehow mix your stuff together, that's like the best way to do it. Communication is so important. It is, it is the cornerstone of relationships and being able to tell your partner, Hey, these things about this, I'm not comfortable with, or, Hey, I, I, I wish we could incorporate the things that I am interested in or things that I might be interested in is, is, is the most important thing you can do when approaching this stuff and approaching age play, uh, as well as communicating your boundaries, being like, well, I'm interested in trying out this, but I, I want to set a hard no at, at this. And your partner has to be okay with that. They have to be okay with, okay, well, you know, well, how, how can I work with that? How can I work uh, around your boundaries and within them? We encourage your participation in your partner's little stuff. We encourage it. That might not be feasible. It might not be something that you are capable of doing, or or maybe you're listening to us, you're learning all this information, and it's like, this is really interesting to know, but I can't physically do this, in which case that's fine. But um, 
try to keep an open mind about anything you can. Try try different things, have new experiences, see what you can do and what you can enjoy, what you can like about the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, your participation is is not required. We, we, we encourage it because we know age play can be extremely important to littles and those involved and stuff like that. But as long as, even, even if you feel like you solely, simply cannot be a part of this, just try to be understanding, be empathetic, yep. be supportive, understand where they're coming from. So if you do decide, oh, I can uh, engage with this, I want to engage with this, or I just I'm open to engaging with my partner's age play, um, one of the most important things to communicate about is your titles, to, to have a good understanding of like what your partner will call you, uh, what you're comfortable with. Because like I said before, some people aren't comfortable with like the mommy, daddy title. Maybe like like calling them your babysitter or like your auntie. Like there's, there's a, a plethora of uh, different titles uh, with different uh, responsibilities and, and different uh, forms that your, your caregiver little relationship can take. And if something really weirds you out and you're like, oh, well, I want to make sure they have their perfect experience, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Please, your boundaries are important. Set that limit. Like, I had an ex who did not like the word mommy. Mm-hmm. She just hated it. And I really, really wanted to call her that. But we settled on a different word. We used like big sister. Um, and that like, yeah, it wasn't a hundred percent perfect, but the, the experiences we had together and the, the way that we connected despite, um, not getting that perfect word that I wanted was still so much more important to me. Like, please make sure that you are respecting your own boundaries and, and what you feel like you're capable of doing. Yep. I, I, I think, that we have, as, to the best of our ability, explained H play. <laughs> yeah. I think as we as as well as we possibly could have with the, between the two of us, we have explained it. Yeah, and we took a long time doing it. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us this long. So, now that we have explained it, I I think we should talk about one last thing, and that's and that's how would someone start doing this? Say someone is listening to this whole episode and they're like, you know what, I do want to participate in that. How do we begin? Okay. Um, I think the first thing to know is that even if you're inexperienced, that's fine. It can actually be better. Oh, yeah. Both Chloe and I are current girlfriends. They were not into age play, had not done it before. And we are really happy with them now. Mm-hmm. And that's it's kind of because we're there only littles they they didn't have a a a set expectation of of what this should look like and that's important because as we said earlier it it, it's so variable like age play is so so different from person to person so coming in with with uh expectations beforehand can be really rough the fact that they can tailor their experiences to us and what we want and who we are as people instead of falling back on these these preconceived notions of what age play should be actually works really, really well. And we're also experienced like kink players. So we are able to not just uh, show them what we want really well, but find out what they want and, and teach them that it's important to uh, uh, value their needs and, and focus on them as well. That being said, if you're someone who is not new to this, um, 
In which case, I'm sorry for boring you for this entire <laughs> episode. But um, ask them. Talk to them. Like Communicate. Your, your experiences with other littles or other people might not translate to this other person. Like, have that communication. Talk about what they like because th- they are the greatest resource for their own desires. Mm-hmm. Just trying to... to even even for inexperienced people, just understand each other, connect. Like like, what what does your partner want? Why do they specifically enjoy little stuff? Like, what are the titles they're looking for? What are the things that they like doing or actions they're okay with? What sort of stuff paraphernalia fit into their interest? Um, word choices are big. I I have words that I absolutely hate in little space that mm-hmm. like I'm sure a lot of bigs use like very normally, and. Speaking of those words, it's okay to make mistakes. I I know when me and Sophie were first playing, I I definitely said some of those words and really upset her. And I I felt awful and I punished myself and raked myself over the coals for making such a mistake. But ultimately, it was just a learning experience. I didn't have to be so hard on myself. And when you are first starting out with this kind of play, you're going to make mistakes. Even when you've been doing it for five years, you're going to make mistakes. And that's, it's, it's, you've got to understand that it's okay. It's just, it's just play. It's just two people or more trying to connect. Don't overthink what you're doing. Just, just try to have fun, participate at the end, see what works, what didn't. Um, oh, have safe words. Oh Uh, yeah. Traffic light system is really good. (laughs) Um, reds for like hard stop, yellow for like change direction, and green as I'm good with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, safe words are all really important. Safe words are critical. But if you have come all the way through this entire episode and you are at the end and you are just so lost and so unsure of yourself and you do not know what to do, um, just be empathetic. Try to look at this person who showed you this episode and think why did they do that what what are they going through what's what's on their mind what mm-hmm. what are what is all this about to them and if you try to see things through their lens and you really try to empathize with their emotions i think that you'll be fine <sighs> wow that was long that was very long i think we did it i i think we finished our baby 101 Oh no! <laughs> this is episode 100! We should have did it for 101! <laughs> episode 101 could have been Baby 101! What are we uh, thinking? I'm not recording a new 100th episode. <laughs> we just we just spent forever recording this. I won't. I, I'm just naming the episode Baby 101. <laughs> Maybe Age Play 101. Yeah, I'll, I'll name it Age Play 101, but I'm, <laughs> I, I feel so foolish. <laughs> They're going to look at it and say 100 hyphen. H play 101. <laughs> and everyone's going to go, why wasn't it the 101st episode? Just no. listen to it. That would make way more sense. Um, thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed this episode and you have not listened to our other 99 episodes before it, um, then give those a shot. Like we, we really try to deep dive into a lot of topics. Some of them do get kind of kinky. So like, remember this is an 18 and up kink podcast so mm-hmm. there are things like spanking it, kimmy it, in 40 percent of the episodes <laughs> that she shows up in it does get lewd from time to time um but uh we we do try to honestly 
bring this community together and everything that we do is always moving toward that ultimate goal of of just togetherness and and understanding and respect Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's that's, it that's it that's a 100 episode wrap we did it high five this is further than most sitcoms get so i'm pretty (laughs) proud of us um if you want to email us, then you can do so. We're not really an advice show, but if you do email us at the usual mailbox at gmail.com, it's also in the description for this episode, mm-hmm. then um, we'll, we'll try to get back to you with whatever help we can. Uh, we, we do love helping people. So, like, if you've got some crazy pressing questions and you really, we didn't cover something on the show and you need to know about it, feel free to ask us. For sure. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, then you can do that at the usual bet. I don't know why I had to think about that for a second, because <laughs> literally the name of our show, but it's at the usual bet. If you also want to support what we do, which we, we deeply, deeply appreciate, you can do that at patreon.com slash Sophie and pudding. Where else? Patreon. That's not it. Subscribestar.adult slash Sophie and pudding. Thank you, Mimi, for help with our theme song. Thank you, Juicebox, for our wonderful old cover art and our wonderful new cover art. Which I'm sure everybody's already noticed. We (laughs) thought that um, 100 episodes was uh, long enough to keep the same art, so we were migrating to a new one. It's very exciting. It's beautiful. Um, But thank thank you, you, Juice, so much for, for all the work that you put into that. Uh, you can find him at patreon.com slash juiceboxart. Thank you, Kimmy, for You're your... Welcome. Thank you, Kimmy. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Kimmy. You're welcome. Thank you, Kimmy, for You're your welcome. for your involvement in not only this episode of our show and making sure that the public is as educated as they can be on kink and age play, but also for being a part of our show continuously for the past two years. Huh. Um... And thank you, all of you, all of our listeners, all the people who continue to support us, and we hope to continue to impress and to make amazing strides in this community. Thank you all so much. Uh, honestly, we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you. And that's <sighs> it. That's that's a hundred. That's a hundred.